Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm here with my favorite ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today, for my stabby, I decided to do another case that I watched on the telly, because apparently I'm British, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You guys know I like the show American Detective, and it's on, I think it's on Discovery Plus is what I was watching it on. Mm -hmm. It's a good show. You should definitely check it out. This is season two, episode two, and it was called The Creek, which I was like, that's intriguing. Yeah. So, this story starts in East Hampton, Connecticut, which apparently a lot of our, a lot of things <laughs> happen in Connecticut. I know there's so many for such like a like small estate. I know. Are you guys okay over there? <laughs> Is it because you guys are so proper? Like when you guys go bad, you go real bad, <laughs> or you just fucking snap because you have to fucking hold it in, <laughs> <laughs> right? Mm. Okay. And we're going to like we're going to East Hampton, Connecticut, and specifically around this place. I couldn't get it to like I couldn't actually find the name of this place. I think it's either called Angle Falls or Angel Falls. I think Angel Falls sounds better, but knowing my luck, it's Angles Fall. <laughs> Angle Fall. <laughs> but essentially, this is a place where like the local teens go after school to like hang out, you know, throw rocks into the creek, that kind of thing. And there's like a little waterfall. It's It's supposed to be like a really nice little hangout area. And the specific area is like if you didn't live in East Hampton, you wouldn't know that this this bridge that these teens went to was there. You would just drive right past it. Mm -hmm. But all the locals know this place. It's like a really cute little there's like a little bridge and then the creek runs under it and everything. So these teenagers are down there and they're standing on the bridge and they're throwing rocks into the creek. And they kind of see something that doesn't look normal because they're there like almost every fucking day. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, that doesn't look normal. So they go down to see what it is. And it's a dead body. <gasps> right? I mean, what did you think it was, Tara? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, like, set the, the mood for the, you know, be like a active you're right, you're audience right. person for you. <laughs> I appreciate it. So basically, they call the police and Detective Garrett Kelly, who, by the way, in 19, like when this happened in like the 90s, he was, he was very handsome. Ooh. This detective. <laughs> and he's now retired, but at the time he was 
detective sergeant at East Hampton Police Department. This is in 1998. And he receives a page on his day off, which I find is like all of these stories where it's like murder. It's funny. I think like the next episode was like, this guy was like, I hadn't taken a day off in like 10 years. And then the first day off. And I was like, you know what that dude thought? I can't go on. I can't take a day off because murder. (laughs) (laughs) But Detective Kelly, he was his day off. He was said he was like dropping his kids off at like swim practice. And so he heads down Mm -hmm. and he gets there and he can see the victim is laying face down in this like rural part of the town. And it's like the town is described as small and sleepy and kind of like everybody knows each other's business because it's so tiny. Everybody knows everybody. Mm hmm. And at this point in time, there hadn't been a homicide since 1988, which is like 10 years earlier. So that's a big gap. Mm -hmm. So Sergeant, I wrote literally in my notes, I wrote Sergeant Kelly was a cutie (laughs) in my notes because, you know. And he was working with Sergeant Matthew Romando, who would later become like the chief of police. But they're both now retired. So they both get there. And like I said, they describe this area as someplace where only locals, like other people would find it, but like only locals like knew where it was right off mm-hmm, the bat. Mm-hmm. It'd be weird if you just rode into town and knew where it was. Yeah. So when Detective Gelly gets there, the body is still in the water. So he got there pretty fast. They find duct tape near the body and on the hands as like the hands are bound behind. It's a female victim behind her and they can see that there are drag marks from like the high like the the road or like kind of like the access place and there are tire tracks so they're like okay so this isn't the crime scene this is the dump scene and the coroner gets there and the coroner you know because they don't touch anything until the coroner gets there and then they flip the body over Mm -hmm. and it's and detective kelly said he instantly knew it was and her name was gertrude or trudy ochanowski she was a 60-year-old single woman who lived in the area, and she had actually been reported missing since that morning because her car was parked in front of the laundromat, and it was running, and her dog was inside. Mm. Right? Yeah. And the dog was going inside and going crazy, and, like, a police officer came and, like, you know, took the dog, and then they, they looked in the glove compartment and found out who it was registered to. And so, you know, they contacted the family, and the family was like, Oh, most definitely don't, or no, not don't, most definitely like look for her. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't something normal. When they go inside to the laundromat to kind of like look around and see like maybe she's inside or something before they report her missing, her clothes are in the washer, like still wet. So at some point, like she had started, but did not finish. So they have a place where at least they know she last was like, even though maybe no one had like saw her, they at least know she was there. Mm hmm. When they examine her body, there was no immediate cause of death. Obviously, like in the water, think about it like your body swells, like because it's yeah saturated with water. So they mm-hmm. were like right away, they might not be able to tell if there was like maybe small puncture wounds or if there maybe like she'd been strangled or something like that. So Sergeant Kelly has to notify her daughters and She's got two daughters, and if you watch the episode, their faces are blurred and they don't ever say their names Mm -hmm. of the two girls. But he tells them, and they say, hey, by the way, she's been dating this man by the name of Ray Brown. So, of course, they bring Mr. Brown in, and he says, and, (laughs) oh, Ray, 
Ray is like, oh, yeah, no, I liked her a lot, but she only thought of me as like a, a good friend. And if you're a police detective, a homicide police detective, you're like, ooh, red flag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like, ooh, my homicide detective t- spidey senses have gone off. <laughs> so this is like, they're like, damn, he's a suspect in the making. Mm hmm. So they're like, okay, where were you on the night of the 11th? And he's like, oh, well, which was like that day or the day before. And he's Mm -hmm. like, well, actually, I wasn't in town. I was at a bowling tournament. In fact, I have really good alibis. People in the police department were bowling with him. So they're like, yeah, no, Ray was with us. So like Mm -hmm. really strong, really solid alibi. Like unless the police were willing to lie for him. They're trying to catch the murderer and not like protect the murderer. But Ray asked them a question. Do you know who has been spying on Trudy? Like I said, Trudy was 60 years old and she lived by herself. She had an apartment. Apparently, she had reported to Ray and then like I think her daughters as well because they followed up with them that she was at home or she had been at home recently and she'd been noticing that somebody was like peering in through her window at night. Gotcha. Gotcha. And Trudy had made had made it known to like people in her life that she was planning on finding a new apartment and moving because this was unsettling to her. Mm-hmm. So th- Detective Kelly and Romando start going out and they like knock on doors in her apartment complex and nobody knows except for they get to this one lady and they knock on their door and they're like, "Hey, we're investigating this like murder or we're investigating this peeping Tom. Do you know?" Trudy, like somebody was spying on her and this woman gets all defensive and she's like, that's my son, Eddie. And it's not what you think. He's a good boy, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, immediately they're like, where the fuck is Eddie? And mm. she goes, well, you should know where he is. He's in lockup. Yeah. Mm. Eddie couldn't have done it because he was in jail. <laughs> so like, gotcha. we should know this. But this is, I wrote this in there. I'm like, why is it always the mom who is like, my son's a good boy, but he's in police custody for petty crimes. Also, peeping in someone's window is not good. It's not good. It's no. not fun. I've recently had a weird encounter with a neighbor who did something weird, and I will tell you, it is not fun. It is not good. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. No one was staring in my window, but someone was yelling at me through my window. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, they're like, okay, it's not this Eddie guy, but this gives, like, kind of a timeline of what's going on in Trudy's life, is that she's living in this place and she wants to move. So it kind of opens her world up to other people. Mm -hmm. At this point in time, the autopsy has begun and they start looking at the evidence. And there's no other biological evidence on Trudy. Mm -hmm. Mind you, this is 1998. So there's no blood. And they like, you know, they don't have all of that kind of like stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're looking for a cause of death and they find it once she's kind of like, I don't want to say, like, dehydrated. That's not what I mean. But, like, I can't think of a better word. Like, once, like, most of the water has kind of, like, maybe evaporated from her system Mm -hmm. or from her skin. Mm -hmm. And they find out that she's been manually strangulated. And that she also has wounds on the back of her head. And that she has evidence of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty brutal, this, all this stuff. When they look in her eye, her left eye has a blue contact in it. And her right eye does not. Also, when they start looking through her hair, they find a backing to a gold earring, but they don't find that earring or the earring in the other ear. So both earrings are missing. Interesting. Well, 
about this time, they've like gone out to the public and they're like, hey, if anyone knows anything about what happened. And also, it's a small fucking town. So even if they weren't like, hey, who's responsible for people talking? Mm -hmm. Right. And a tip comes in that says someone saw a car, a blue green boxy sedan. And I immediately was like, okay, so remember those like nine, those old 90s Volvos that were like long? Mm -hmm. That was immediately, I was like, that's the car. (laughs) It was that car. Just pointing out that I was right. So Detective Kelly knows that he needs to investigate the car, but he also needs to continue talking with other people to kind of figure out, like, who Trudy knew and who knew Trudy. So basically, they start looking into, like, other people, and they find another ex-boyfriend that she was, like, on again, off again with. Uh His name was Harold. And when they brought in Harold to, like, discuss what was going on, he said that he hadn't seen her for, like, three weeks. And on the night of the 11th, he didn't really have an excuse, except for the fact that he said that he he saw Trudy's car. So, like I said, he said that he hadn't spoken to her since three weeks prior. And so he saw her car the night of the 11th and he like drove up to it and he like looked inside the laundromat and she wasn't there. And he looked inside the car and he saw the dog and he just like wasn't there. And so he went and sat in a parking lot, like kind of like kitty corner to the laundromat to like watch mm. for her to come out. Mm. And he's like, I waited for a long time and she never came out. So I just left. Which I was like, first and foremost, there is a running car and a dog. And if you waited, more, I would say if you waited more than like 10 minutes, I would have been like, we need, I would have gone out and started looking. Cause at that yeah. point in time, yes, you're being creepy because you're like stalking her. But also at the same time, like, that's a really long time to not check on your dog. It's mm-hmm. a really long time to not like go turn your, your car off. I mean, I get it, it was the 90s and gas was cheaper, but like, come on. But still, that's a long time. Right. When he was questioned why he didn't report this, he just said he didn't think about it. And then he just like went on with his life. And so the, it was funny because like Detective Kelly's like, I don't know if he was just being dumb. Like he was just dumb or he was trying to lie. Mm. And he's like, it wasn't a good lie, but like, <laughs> hey. Yeah, both. <laughs> Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> mm. So they search his car and everything like that. And then it just like there was no, there was like no DNA of her in it. And so they were like, OK, we can't really arrest this dude and we don't really have anything like on him. So they have to obviously let him go. Mm-hmm. Well, then they get another tip. A witness comes forward and he is a carpenter working on these apartments that are located on the third floor of where the laundromat is. And he is like at work and he's like looking down and he sees in the sawdust an earring. (gasps) Yeah. (gasps) Right. (laughs) It's a gold earring. And then, so the police come and they start looking and they find the gold earring and then they find the other gold earring and then they find a blue contact lens. So the police come, they find the contact, and they start asking this carpenter, like, okay, well, who has access to the building? And he's like, there's only two people with keys. And the first one is the owner. And the owner was out of of town, and they verified his out-of-town alibi. So then that brings us to the second person. And the owner's name was Frank, but that's the only time Mm -hmm. we're really going to talk about it. And then the other person is the maintenance man, and his name is Brian Tuttle. And he is actually from a local family, but not too many people know much about him. He's not like known by the police, which I guess is a good thing in a small town. Like if the police don't know who you are. And as I say that, I'm like, I was very familiar with the police in our hometown, but for like other reasons. And that was because like, I was like an active participant Mm. in the community. And so they were like, oh, she's a good person (laughs) versus like, you know, just being known as like a rabble rouser or whoever or whatever. (laughs) Anyway, so they start 
doing a background search on Brian and come to find out he had actually done some time. On April 12th of 1989, he had committed sexual assault in the first degree. It was a stranger abduction kidnapping, and he had been convicted and he had spent time in, in jail and prison. If you are like Detective Kelly right now, you're like, oh, damn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dude has done this. His full, his full name is Gerald Brian Tuttle. And he came in willingly to talk to the police. And the first thing that Kelly notices is like right over the dude's like face. So like basically from like the very top of his nose, like like at the eye socket right above his nose to like over the other eyebrow, he has a giant scratch on his face. And they were like, hey, uh, so Brian, how'd you get the fucking cut on your face? And he's like, oh, you know, at work. I don't remember. It just happened. I'm going to tell you one thing. If I got a cut on my face, mm-hmm. I'm going to fucking know how I got it. There is not going to be a like, well, I don't remember. <laughs> Unless right. like for some reason, like you are completely covered in scars and like maybe you're like a, a knife throwing juggler or something. And you're like, I don't remember exactly how I got this one. It was with a, you know, like something like that. But like he had one scar. And mind you, he was participating willingly and he just seemed kind of, ve- he was very nervous and, you know. They start talking to him and they're like, hey, you know, this is kind of related to this. Can you tell us a little bit about like your previous conviction? And he goes, look, 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 it was a drunken misunderstanding. I don't give a flying fuck who you are, what the circumstances is. There is never an okay reason and never an excuse for a stranger abduction, kidnapping and sexual assault. Yeah. You cannot give me the bit you can't there is not an excuse big enough in this world for you to like talk me out of it of believing that you're not a trash human Mm -hmm. (laughs) i literally wrote i think the fuck not (laughs) in my notes okay he said he used to use drugs and he would drink and that's what caused us he got really high and drunk and he basically made some bad choices well they go okay well did you know trudy and he goes, nah, I didn't know Trudy. And he, like, they showed a picture of her to him. And he goes, nah, I didn't know her. And it's like a small town. And I'm not saying, like, our hometown is big for them. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a small town. And so they were like, they're like, you, so you don't know her? And he's like, no, I don't know her. Well, they're like, well, where were you the night of the 11th? And he's like, well, I worked in the building, you know, where the last place Trudy was seen. And he's like, I went to the pizza place across the street. Why is it always a fucking pizza place? I don't know. And then he had some beers and then he went home and went to bed. And when they were like, well, did anyone see you? He said, well, I'm mostly alone. I was mostly alone. Mm. And they were like, what kind of car do you drive? Because mind you, they're trying to place the blue car, the blue green Volvo. And he's like, actually, I don't have a car because my license was revoked because I was in prison. That's a thing. When you're in prison, they revoke your driver's license. (laughs) I've never been. You got to get that back later. (laughs) Well, no. No, like I didn't know. <laughs> Obviously, like I don't know. I never thought about. That. I only know this because, like, I at one time dated a guy who'd gotten out of prison, and like I didn't know until mm, after we started dating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I was like, "Why am I always picking you up?" and then, then he like kind of told me the story, and I was like, <laughs> mm, "Bye." Okay. <laughs> so Brian, like, at this point, they're like, "Okay, but like, could you fire a car?" He was like, "I'm fucking done." So he gets up and leaves. But mind you, the whole time he's in there, he's asked if he could smoke. And Detective Kelly was actually really smart because he said yes. Mm-hmm. Sure, go ahead, smoke won't bother me. Because guess what he left in the ashtray? His cigarette butts. Mm-hmm. So Kelly was like, fucking keep that shit. Because you know, he's like, right now, 
there's nothing to, there's nothing that's going to read this thing being imperative. But he knows because he does his reading and mm-hmm. his homework, he knows that like forensics is pushing towards bigger and better things. And that means that one day there could be a possibility that these cigarette butts are going to come in handy. Mm-hmm. So they start asking around about Brian. They started at the local laundromat like with regulars. And they were like, hey, have, do you know this guy? And they're like, yeah, he's a little weird. And they're like, yeah, he says he doesn't know Trudy. And like this lady at the laundromat was like, no, they were always talking. She was also talking and she's like, well, I know for a fact they've had at least one conversation because they were talking about the apartments upstairs mm-hmm. because she wanted, remember, she wanted to move because of the peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great if you had a peeping Tom problem to live on a third story where no one can fucking peer in your window? Right. Right. You know. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So they were like, oh, so they've seen, people have seen them talking numerous times and they know of at least one conversation. So the next thing is is Brian's alibi is that he went to the pizza place. So he does. So Detective Kelly goes to the pizza place and talks to the owner. The owners, it's their brother and sister. It's John Malinkos and his sister. It's either Amy or Anne. Like, they only said her name once, and mm-hmm. I kept trying to, like, rewind and listen, rewind and listen, and I couldn't get it. And they said Brian was a frequent customer. He came in all the time. He would come, and he would drink. He'd, like, get food and drink, have beer and stuff like that, which is probably pretty common for, like, a small town. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, a mountain town that my paternal side lives near, that's kind of what they do on, like, a Friday night. They'll people pregame at the pizza place. Mm-hmm. John said Brian didn't look like himself that night he came in. Mind you, he also said he was a nice guy. He seemed like he was cool. He was always quite friendly. But this particular night, he just didn't seem like himself. His eyes looked really glossy. And he said that he looked depressed and high. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, shit, he's lying. He's still using drugs. And so I guess like John's sister, we're going to call her Amy because that's just easier for me. <laughs> Amy went over to like chat with him to mm-hmm. see what was going on. Like, you know, hey, Brian, like you're like if you have a, if you work at a restaurant or in a restaurant, and you have a regular and your regular seems off, you're probably going to go check on them because yeah. you want them to still be your regular. <laughs> right, exactly. So they go, she goes and talks to them. And, you know, he was like, God, life sucks. I just found out my girlfriend was cheating on me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just found out my girlfriend was cheating on me. It was this whole big thing. And like, you know, so hey, like Amy sits down and has a long conversation with them, trying to make him feel better, you know, and and Brian's like starting to feel a little cheered up and he goes, hey, do you want to go down to the bowling alley with me and have some drinks and bowl and have a good time? And, you know, she kind of looks back at her brother and she kind of feels weird about like the fact that he's asked around. He just talked about his girlfriend breaking up with him or cheating on him and that they just broke up or whatever. She's like, you know, I actually have to stay and help John close up the, sh- the thing, the, the pizza place. And he just kind of like she said he seemed upset, like he didn't like that she kind of rejected him, but he was still kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And he kind of made a little bit of a scene, like being upset, you know, like, why are you wanting to do this with me? Blah, blah. You know, he was being dramatic. Mm-hmm. But all of this kind of signifies more lies that Brian has told the police because he is using drugs again. And mm. we know that he's been talking to Trudy. So they bring him back in and they confront him and he doubles down. I didn't know her. I don't know her. He admits to using drugs that, you know, that was a bad time. And of course, he's not going to tell the police he was high. Like, right. Let's be real. Like, if you were using like narcotics, not like smoking pot, but like, unless pot is illegal in your state, you should do it legally. <laughs> you know, if you're doing like heavy drugs and the police are like, 
questioning you for murder, you probably don't want to admit you were doing drugs because then yeah. they're like, well, if he does drugs, she could, he could be doing murder. Because we all know that that has been a slippery slope for some detectives. Mm-hmm. I get it. But when they question him about his girlfriend, Denise, he gets really upset. He starts to like emote a lot. He starts ranting and raving about her cheating on him and all this shit. And then he gets up and he storms out. He's like, fuck this shit and leaves. And at this point in time, they can't arrest him because they have no physical evidence connecting the two. Everything is circumstantial. Like he he has a key to the apartment where her contact lens and her earring was found. But the door could have been left unlocked. You know, maybe he didn't lock it and someone else took her up there. You know, we don't know. Mm -hmm. So the police are like, okay, so the the thing is, is nobody knew, nobody knew what Brian's girlfriend's name was or ex-girlfriend's name was, but he tells them who she is. He says her name. So the police write that down because they're smart and they write things down. At least these police are, I'm just gonna say. Mm -hmm. So they write down, they go talk to her and she has a totally different story that he's using again and that basically they were like arguing and she was like, this is like, it was getting intense and it was going towards physical. So she kicked him out. She's like, get the fuck out of my house. Get away. Like you're psycho. And here's the other lie that they found him to be caught in. When he leaves her, he takes her car. Oh. Which is a blue green <gasps> 90s Volvo. Oh, fuck. Dun, 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 dun. It is boxy and it is the description. So they're like, oh, shit. He has the car that was seen by the bridge, by the person. About this time, they get another tip called in. And it is Brian's cousin, Jeremy, because he has gotten wor- he has gotten wind of what's happening and he wants to be no part of it. Mm. And basically, he has the police come out because apparently Brian had dropped off a car at his house and asked him to take it and park it in a very specific deep part of the woods and leave it. Brian's trying to get his cousin to like commit. <laughs> conspiracy after the fact right oh my god right and so jeremy is like i'm having fucking none of it so they go start they go through the car and they realize that there are body fluids in this car and they run that bought those body fluids against trudy's dna and wouldn't you know it's a match trudy was in the car however once again circumstantial Because even though Brian had access to the car, it's not his car. Even though Brian had motive or not, they don't really have a motive. Though he had opportunity, I should say. They don't really have anything concrete. And they know if they take him, if they arrest him, if they make an arrest and they take him to court, jurors have let people go because there hasn't been enough evidence to like actually link this person. It's all circumstantial. So they go, they know that without any DNA, they're not going to get a guilty without reasonable doubt. So... They basically just are going to keep at it. They're going to keep their heads down and keep plugging away. Sergeant Kelly decides to wait. And living in a small town was hell for Sergeant Kelly and Sergeant Raimondo. Because they basically were being like judged like they were the two fucking idiots of the town. Mm. Like, oh, you guys can't like, we all know we did it. Arrest him. You know, like, it's like when we want to do like court TVs and you're like, no, of course they're guilty. But you're like, it's one thing to look guilty, but you have to have like evidence right? Mm-hmm. We have seen very famous cases, Casey Anthony, where we're like, look at this. We know this person did this, but like there was no like yeah. definitive evidence that linked the two together. Mm-hmm. So they just keep working the case and they every like every once in a while they like run DNA, they try things. Well, wouldn't you know that the new technology can now pull DNA samples out of other fluids 
before couldn't. So they pull from those samples. And wouldn't you know, they find semen in the fluid that was in the car, but it was like, not a lot. Mm -hmm. So when they do that, they take those cigarette butts that they've kept all of these years. Uh Uh-huh. Because this is 2013 now, right? Yeah. So it's been a significant amount of time. Right. Because 13. Yeah, 1998 mm-hmm. to 2013. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And wouldn't you know that the cigarette butt DNA and the DNA found in the car and that the lab pulled out mm-hmm. would match one Mr. Brian Tuttle. <gasps> Who'd have thought? Right? And they say it was like off the charts matching. Like, I believe The it. only way that this couldn't match is if like he was a clone. Like his clone <laughs> did it. <laughs> I mean, they don't say that, but that's basically what it is. Right. This is not a 90s like action thriller movie (laughs) (laughs) right it's not it's definitely brian tuttle and they all knew it was brian tuttle and brian tuttle so he had actually moved out of town so he wasn't even there to like be a constant reminder he had moved to surf city south carolina and they go and they they get him Mm -hmm. now surprise brian's changed but we're gonna talk about how brian's changed in just a moment because they come up with a theory that they tell brian and brian at first is like nah but then later he's gonna plead guilty Mm. so the theory is this is that Brian leaves work high and drunk. Mm. He goes to the pizza place and Amy rejects him. And now he's fucking pissed because in his mind, he's telling everyone his girlfriend cheated on him because she really did kick him out. So like in her in his mind, he's pissed because he got kicked out of his girlfriend's house. And he just got rejected by the, you know, the sweetheart Amy. Like even if bleeding heart Amy won't take me bowling, like who the fuck is gonna like take me bowling? And he comes out And he's angry and he's upset and he looks across the street at the laundromat and who does he see? He sees sweet Trudy, who everyone describes as the most wonderful person who gives great hugs. Like literally her friend said it like four times. She's apparently the most wonderful person. Also, if I ever am murdered, please don't tell people that I give great hugs and that I'm the most amazing person. Please be honest. I mean, (laughs) that's true for me. I just always think it's really weird when people are like this person gave the most amazing hugs, and I'm like, I don't want people. To, I want people to be like, she was funny, or like, you know, that kind of stuff. I did not but light like, up a robe. Stop it. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it was very gloomy and quite bitchy. <laughs> but if you needed to laugh, I was there for you. Oh. <laughs> so Brian sees Trudy, and they've had several conversations, so he knows that he can approach her. And he just wants to hurt someone. So he goes up to her and says, hey, Trudy, do you want to go see the apartment upstairs? The one that we've talked about you wanting to move into. Mm -hmm. Either she was like hesitant or but she finally went with him. So she goes up there and he attacks and kills her and then dumps her body. Well, then 16 years later, he's charged with her murder, which Mm -hmm. thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he's arrested. But here's the really interesting thing about Brian Tuttle at this point. I'm not fat shaming. I'm not going to fat shame anyone. But Brian has gained a significant amount of weight to the point where he's almost immobile. Like he Mm -hmm. has to come to court in a wheelchair because he cannot walk into court. He's on an oxygen tank. And it's only been 16 years. And he was a pretty young guy. So I like to think that that was the guilt. Mm, It definitely could have been. killing this. Mm -hmm, Like that's my theory is that like he was felt so guilty about what he did like Mm -hmm. it was kind of like a form of hurting himself yeah because you know he was living with this guilt so he's in he's in prison and or he's in jail and you know it's just taking a long time they're lining everything up and one of the things i think is really interesting is 
a lot of times Tara and I will be like in a murder case, all of a sudden I'll be like, and later that year they went to trial and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> because a lot of murder cases take years yeah. to get to trial yep. because they're lining, they're crossing every T, they're making sure, you know, and it may have even been, you know, the defense team is taking a long time trying to figure out a way to like defend him like get away out of this and obviously the prosecution is like wanting to make sure that they have a solid case so they can win but knowing that this wasn't going to end well for him brian tuttle in 2016 pleads guilty and because he takes the plea deal he gets 30 years in prison and the reason that they gave him 30 years in prison the theory is is that because he's so unhealthy he's not going to make 30 years Mm. And then my immediate thought went, so now we're putting him in prison where he's going to get health care and have nothing to do but have time. What if he gets healthy? I mean, the last I checked, he hasn't. And I even looked to see if he has passed yet. And he has not. So he is in prison still. But I mean, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have nothing but time, like what if he you know, starts walking? What if he, like, starts taking care of himself? I mean, I mean, prisons are known for having workout facilities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which kind of seems weird that we would make, especially with in places where there's, like, violent offenders, that we would give them a place to become stronger. Just thoughts on my top of my head. <laughs> I mean, yes, but also if you think about it, like, working out in prison's a much healthier outlet than murdering more people. Right. I meant just take away <laughs> weights and give them cardio. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's Just a too. bunch of ellipticals. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it took almost two decades, but they got a conviction and the man is behind bars and will spend the rest of his life behind bars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting case. I was really glad that I picked yeah. the creek. It's one of those like where it's really frustrating because you're like, I fucking know who did it. It's like when you're reading like a thriller book and you're like, mm-hmm. within the first 20 pages, you're like, I fucking know who did this. Yeah. And I gotta wait till the end. Oh, fuck. That's literally what this <laughs> case was. And I was like, he did it. Just arrest yeah. him. That and I also accidentally was like Googling it because I was trying to find mm. the town. Name. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, and it was like Gerald Brian Tuttle. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> he did it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, but I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you like me recanting these type of like TV shows, let me know. Let us know. And I will continue because I like mm-hmm. to watch them and I like to take notes on them. So like, you know, mm-hmm. and I think this is a really good, this is good because it's like a detective who spent his entire life. And yes, it's a bit cheesy. His line, <laughs> a lot of his lines are like, <laughs> like, you know, like when they're talking about like pizza, was, I don't think this was said here. This is the type of line it is. It's like, he's about to be served a slice of justice. And you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> but then you're also like, mm, that was real cheese. Really cheesy. <laughs> Unlike the pizza. <laughs> much like the pizza, I should say. Okay. I'm starting to ramble. So with that, we're going to sign off for the day. We hope you enjoy this and we will be back next time. Toodles, guys. Bye. Bye.